stories, teachings, and guidance. Welcome to the Women's Moon Wisdom Podcast with your host, Rebecca Rankin. Welcome to this week's show. We have a special guest with us. I'm so excited for this conversation. Kimberly Kubicki is an Ayurvedic practitioner, and she's going to share with us all about Ayurveda and hormonal balance and how to work with it as a another tool in our tool belt. So welcome to the show, Kimberly. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. My guess is that some of our listeners are probably familiar with the term Ayurveda yet maybe don't know exactly what it is or want a little bit more deeper understanding. Can you just share with us first, like what is Ayurveda? Yes, I'd love to. So Ayurveda, the word actually literally translates to the science of life. Ayur is, Ayu is life and Veda is science of or knowledge of. So it's literally the science of life. Um, it's believed by many to be the oldest system of healing in the world. It's said to be as old as life itself. And it's the traditional medicine of the, the region that we now know of as India, the same way that traditional Chinese medicine is the traditional medicine of China. In Ayurveda, health is understood to be the result of a whole context of things, including your daily habits, your diet, your lifestyle, your surroundings, your relationships, your stress level, the climate you live in, seasonal changes, the stage of life that you're in. <clears throat> and Ayurveda gives you very personalized guidelines on how to live well based on all these different factors. It teaches you how to come to know and understand your individual body type, and your body's subtle cues that warn of impending imbalances. It, um, through, and then through this understanding, you develop a deeper awareness of your biggest triggers and your best remedies. And Ayurveda gives you this way of looking at the world so that cultivating balance within yourself and your surrounding becomes just easy and intuitive. It gives you guidance on how to ensure every day you're taking steps in the right direction to really harness your body's potential to thrive. Oh man, sign me up. <laughs> I'm like, yes, all that. That sounds amazing and great. Yes, this is how we should all be living. This is, yeah. this is so in flow. It, unfortunately, or just how it is, a lot of us, we don't have this knowledge or we, we have this knowledge has not been passed down to, to us. So how did you per se, like, how did you get into this? Like, like what, how did your path lead you down Ayurveda? Yeah. Well, I, I was living in Vermont. I've always been very drawn to Indian culture and yoga. I was already doing, um, and I was living in Vermont and working in mental health, working kind of a stressful job. And that climate, Vermont is very cold and wet, which is very challenging for my body type. And so you mix that up with a stressful job and I was getting sick a lot. And I had a good friend in town, Seva, whose grandfather was an Ayurvedic doctor in India. And Seva was just like the village healer in our, in our little town there in Montpelier. And uh, when, when folks would get sick, he would call you up and ask you all these questions, questions that I like, 
what does your pee smell like? Like things that I'm just like, what does this have to do with the fact that I have a head cold? Um, and then he would show up at your door with, I used to call them magic, magic potions and I would drink them and go to sleep and wake up and feel so much better. And I was like, what are you giving me? What is in this? And he said, you know, I can't just tell you the ingredients and that's going to work every time. It's this whole way of understanding. And if you want to learn that way of understanding, it's called Ayurveda. And the person teaching and writing about it in English is Vasant Lod. And so I got all of Dr. Lod's books and just started diving in and um, studying as much as I could. And Seva gave me a few really simple, basic, easy, free things to adjust in my diet and lifestyle that, I mean, I had struggled with chronic sinus issues and constipation my entire life up to this point. I was like 22, 23. Um, this was in 2001. So like 20 plus years ago. Uh and yeah, I, I had struggled with these issues my entire life and they really came to a head when I was living in this very cold, wet climate. And he gave me, yeah, just these simple things to do that pretty much resolved these issues. I mean, there's still like weak spots in my body. If I eat enough bread and cheese, I'm going to get congested and I'm going to get constipated. But now it's like I know what I need to do if I if I slip up and, you know, eat some birthday cake late, late at night or something. I know what I need to do the next day to put myself back in check. And I've never needed prescription medication for those conditions ever since then, which before that time, it was a pretty regular thing that I was de dependent on prescription medication periodically several times a year. I'd get a sinus infection and I'd need antibiotics. And as a kid growing up, I took laxatives like every few days I had to take laxatives to have a bowel movement. And that was just, nobody asked me, what are you eating? Are you drinking enough water? Like the doctor was just like, here's what's going to fix that symptom and make it go away. So I felt after getting a little taste of how potent this medicine was, I felt so empowered and had a, such a deeper understanding of my body from this, this short and sweet education Seva gave me. And I just wanted to learn as much as I could about it and share this with other people because prior to that, I had kind of identified as, as like a sickly person. And, um, and this was so liberating to like, just realize, no, I'm not a sickly person. My body has the power to heal. I'm just giving it the wrong food at the wrong times. And, and if I change that, it's, it's good to go. So that's been my, uh, that was kind of what set me on my journey. And then I studied it just on my own for a good 10 years and dreamed about studying with Dr. Laud. And then finally in 2012, I, I went and studied with him in Albuquerque and graduated from his institute. And ever since then, I've been involved in some kind of further education with it. I've studied with Dr. Claudia Welsh and Amadea Morningstar and several doctors, Ayurvedic doctors in India. So yeah, it's, it's a really central part of my life now and I'm all the better for it. Oh my gosh. Kimberly, I have like full body chills. Like it's, <laughs> it, it's such a, like in your story in particular, but it, I can see how it can be reflected in so many of our stories 
it's so empowering rather than always just fixing the symptom, like getting to the root cause and like living a life that is in balance, like that's in flow, that you're, you're eating things that are going to support, you know, your overall well-being and how empowering that is to like step into your life where you're like, I got this. Like if I, yeah, like you said, if I ate birthday cake late at night, I know what to do tomorrow so that I'm not like regretting that decision. Mm-hmm. Oh, exactly. so love it. And then like how then do like you work with like a little bit of hormonal health too. Like how does that start to weave into your Ayurvedic path? Yeah. Well, so Dr. Claudia Welsh has been one of my teachers um, from pretty early on. And that's an area of, of specialty for her. And the, and the way she got into it is because those of us who work in alternative health know that our, our primary clients are women usually. And a lot of times it's women around age 35, around perimenopause, things start, you know, our hormones start sh- shifting and, and decreasing in production. And we lose kind of that buffer that we've had to carry us through our our youth. Um, and we start to feel the effects of how we've been pushing our bodies. Um, and yeah, so a lot of my clients that were coming to me, you know, for Claudia, a lot of the clients she was getting were women with hormone health issues. And then I, you know, began to see that in my practice as well, pretty, pretty soon out of the gate. Um, and so I, feel so blessed that I've had her as, as a guide in um, deepening my understanding. She has both a background in Chinese medicine. She's a doctor of oriental medicine and she's an Ayurveda practitioner. Uh, so I've done all of her courses around hormone health and several mentorships with her. And then just through working with clients over the years, it's been one of the primary health concerns I've seen um, because Western medicine doesn't have a great way to, to address it. And a lot of times I mean, what we see is that hormone imbalances are are bigger than just, you know, you need to take hormone replacement. It's if you want to get to the root cause, it so often is diet and lifestyle and just the way, you know, our world operates. It's a very masculine dominated world. It's very go, go, go like yang energy for those who are familiar with the yin yang idea in Chinese medicine. Ayurveda has similar concepts. Um, different words, but yin and yang are most familiar. So I usually use those to explain that, yeah, we live in this, in this world where yang is glorified, you know, the, the people who get so much done and can multitask and are achieving so much, like they're the ones who are seen as really, we want to all aspire to them. And that, that works. That's a lot easier for men to, to jump in and play that game because testosterone is a hormone that also is very go, go, you know, produce. Mm -hmm. Whereas for women, you know, estrogen is a much more yin hormone. We need rest. We need to tune into our cycle. We need to um, listen to our bodies and receive more nourishment. And, but for a lot of women, you know, especially in the past 20, 30 years, it's like they're expected to work full time and be a mom and be a, a good partner and take care of their aging parents. And they do it all at the at the expense of themselves. And so, um, so yeah, to just give hormone replacement therapy isn't really addressing what the root cause is. And 
isn't, you know, it's just putting a bandaid on something that is going to catch up with you eventually, whether it be, um, you know, a, a, a more devastating disease or um, some other kind of debilitating condition. It, it can play out in all kinds of ways. But um, yeah, Ayurveda has so much to offer in the way of diet and lifestyle. And in terms of like balancing these dual forces in life, this yin energy and this yang energy. And um, yeah, and I, I find that Western medicine just doesn't, it doesn't take the time. It's not set up to really be comprehensive enough to give um, a full kind of remedy for folks who are in this predicament. Absolutely. And perpetually productive mindset, right? That mm -hmm. we all like in our, our culture, it's just so driven like into us, like even like at school, it's like always produce, you, you always do it. And for those of us that have cycles, that have wombs, that are, you know, our hormones like reset every 28 days, like we are experiencing time at a different rate than, than like those with male biochemistry, right? It's like they get the 24 hour clock, ours is 28 days. And so I, I appreciate that you are really teaching women to see like the whole picture of your cycle, honor that cyclical nature and then use a framework like Ayurveda to help support that. Because if you think about it, like all of us, like when we first reached Menarche, we were like basically told about your period and like shamed, right? It was like, you know, yeah. maybe, you, maybe not everyone, maybe other one people had great coming of age rituals in, in their upbringing. But for a lot of us, it was just this, uh, yeah, yeah this looks to be you type of thing. And then you're led to believe that you're less than because you have a cycle. And then all of a sudden you're trying to keep up with the Joneses. You're trying to keep up with, with life and yeah. not honoring what, what you, your body actually needs. I love that Ayurveda, Ayurveda can offer that zoomed out lens of holistic care. Yeah. Yeah. And it's even, I'd say, you know, that what you're just describing at Menarch, I think it's even more so at menopause. Like nobody wants oh. to be talking oh. about, hey, I'm totally. going through menopause. This is happening to me. And it's just like everyone's got to just go in their little corner and try to get rid of that hot flash, try to get rid of these mood swings. Don't inconvenience anybody with it. And, you know, it's meanwhile, it's like a major milestone in life. This is a huge yeah. transformation that deserves acknowledgement and community and connection around it. Um, but a lot of, a lot of women feel really isolated during that time. And, and, you know, it's a mystery what's going on, what, what's normal, what's not normal, you know, and where do I ask about these things? Where do I talk about these things? Um, so true. Yeah. So true. And especially like, like you said, like, you know, perimenopause starts, you know, mid thirties mm -hmm. and all of a sudden you're like, because no one talks about it, you think you're losing it. Right. Because you're like, oh my gosh, like, why am I like. Yeah. You, know, you don't, perimenopause, the time it takes to reach menopause and, and be postmenopausal, it, like you said, like no one really talks about it. And so we're left in the dark and feeling like we're going a little like nuts because you don't, no one's really taught about this, this progression, how that, how that affects yeah. your life, how it affects your emotions, your moods, and, and just your overall well being. And then you're still trying to do all the things. Exactly, exactly. That what I what I often see is that the the women who are doing all the things and you know basically doing it with the help of coffee and just yes. their brain overriding every signal that their body is giving them, 
at, at that time around perimenopause, around our mid thirties, it's like, we've been running this credit card of, of energetic debt through our twenties, you know, and just charging it up, charging it up. And around perimenopause, the debt collector comes to knock on the door and it's like, I want, I want all that energy back. And then it's like, you know, people have all these digestive issues. All of a sudden I can't digest all these things and whose body is this? And I can't sleep even though I'm exhausted. Like what is going on? So yeah, it's really, I wish that more women in their twenties were curious about this stuff and, and really getting on board with it before, you know, the damage is done, but still, you know, it's, it's better late than never. And there's still a lot that of repair that can be done, but yeah, it's, it's um sadly it's like a journey that a lot of a lot of women are on and and ayurveda thankfully has kind of a safety net at the end of it for them so yeah i reached my mid 30s and all of a sudden i path of so many women i had some health issues come up relating to digestion relating to many different things and led me to uh, a path of ultimately changed made some shifts in my lifestyle and gave up coffee and gave up um, alcohol and, and other things basically started listening to my body's signals. Right. And, and that's a lot of us, like we're not body literacy, right. Just understanding yeah. these things rather than being like, Oh, I, you know, I have these menstrual cramps. Oh, that just goes along with the territory. I'm going to take pain meds for it. And it's like, Oh no, those are like red flags being like, we've got some underlying issues. Let's yeah. telling you now so you can take care of it. So yeah, with like, so what are like some of the approaches through Ayurvedic, like through that lens to help with hormonal balance and, um, or imbalances rather, like what are some of the, 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 the approaches? Yeah. I'd love for you to share. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the term hormone is a more recent one when compared to Ayurveda's original text, the word hormone, I think it was coined in the 1900s sometimes. So Ayurveda has been around for thousands of years. So um, it doesn't, the ancient texts don't specifically mention that word, but imbalances in general and hormone imbalances specifically are, are seen as issues with the body's intelligence or the body's discernment. Um, the, the hormones, yeah, hormonal reactions are a reflection of, of bodily intelligence. And so this relates to pitta, pitta dosha, for those who are familiar with the doshas in Ayurveda. Um, there's three doshas and they're basically, dosha basically means like body type or they're, they're kind of like psychoenergetic forces in the body. So they affect the body and the mind and um, they govern a lot of different functions. And, um, and so pitta is the energy that governs transformation, discernment, intelligence. It's kind of how our body makes sense of everything that we take in and sorts out what's information or nutrients that I want to keep and what is stuff that I want to, you know, flush out of the body. So hormone health directly relates to that, to this innate intelligence. And similar to traditional Chinese medicine, Ayurveda adopts an understanding of duality as the foundation of health. So this yin-yang idea that I mentioned. Um, and Ayurveda uses different terms, but the, the premise is simple, similar in that you need an appropriate balance of rest and activity in order to maintain a healthy equilibrium. You, you just can't get around that. And, you know, 
you you might be able to circumvent it for a while. Like I said, when we're younger and we've got more of a buffer, we can push our limits more easily. But at a certain point, we burn out quite literally. Um, and so generally, for women, hormone imbalances are caused by an excess of activity and a lack of rest. And so Ayurveda has a lot of ways that we can work with that. In Ayurveda, everything is, has the potential to be medicine and everything has the potential to be poison. It all depends on for whom, when, and how much. So when I say we need more rest and nourishment and, and less activity and stimulation, it doesn't mean that you've got to like take a month off and take a luxurious vacation. I know that that's not accessible for a lot of people. But there are things that you can do on a day-to-day basis that are very low cost or free and don't take a lot of time to replenish that that nourishment and those reserves that you you spend you expend with so much activity. So the the primary way to support our bodies and maintaining equilibrium, our bodies our bodies gift to us is adaptability, right? It's constantly looking to maintain homeostasis in the face of all kinds of things coming at it. Our gift back to our body, our, our thank you note kind of, can, is predictability, which basically translate at, translates as a good routine. So waking, eating, sleeping, doing any kind of practices that you do at the same time daily, creating a rhythm for your body is really, really supportive, is really nourishing. And so waking ideally with the sun is very um, emphasized in the Ayurvedic texts that we should wake about an hour, hour and a half before sunrise. And it's interesting, um, I've, I've, the texts talk about it, they don't give a lot of justifications, the ancient texts anyways. Um, but recently I've been, looking more into quantum health and quantum healing. And they, through that, I've learned that at, during the time of sunrise, the widest spectrum of light that that we can possibly see is available. That's when there's the most different, um, you know, infrared and all the different layers of light are all present at sunrise. And so to go out and see the sunrise with your naked eyes even if it's just for you know 10 minutes, 20 minutes out there, it's like a, giving your body a download, literally. Because in Ayurveda, we recognize that light is a source of intelligence and we are diurnal beings. We are meant to be awake with the sun and sleep in the dark. Through modern technology, we can very easily circumvent that. And we all know that artificial light at night can be disruptive to hormones. Well, the same is true about the sun. It can be medicine. It can help us to regulate, to to realign our bodily intelligence. And so building a relationship with light is a great way to support your hormone health. Um, Rely on natural light when possible. Get outside for the sunrise when you can. If If you're like, what? Oh my God, this lady is crazy. Try doing it one day a week. Ayurveda is all about slow and steady progression and meeting you where you're at. So, you know, we don't want, don't feel guilty. We're not trying to make these lofty ideals that no one can live up to. But, 
you know, there's probably one day a week where you could make that happen. And so aim to do it one day a week and see how you feel on those days. And then maybe try to find another day of the week when you can do it. A lot of times when you do, begin doing these practices, the positive feedback that you get is so affirming and it's very motivating then to continue to do it and to prioritize it and make time for it. So, and, and with that, in terms of just balancing our relationship with light, you know, shut down your screens by eight o'clock at night, go into dimmer lighting, get, try to get to bed by 10 PM. Your body does some really powerful internal housekeeping between 10 PM. And when we wake up around four to 6 AM, uh, ideally. So when we push, you know, a lot of times if we stay up past 10 p.m., we get a second wind and, and, you know, we can get a bunch of stuff done. And doesn't that sound great in this go, go, go kind of mentality? But what we're doing is we're robbing that energy that our body uses to kind of clean house and keep things in order. So getting a good night's sleep at 10, starting at 10 p.m. is wonderful if you can make that happen. Um, having regular meal times, like I said, another, um, Another beautiful practice of Ayurveda that is so nourishing and has so many benefits. It it's said to boost immunity. It's said to defy the aging or slow the aging process. It increases flexibility. It calms the nervous system. It promotes sound sleep. This practice is self oil massage, and basically you massage yourself from head to toe with the the oil that's appropriate for your body type. You can get fancy like medicated herbal oils, Ayurvedic oils to do this, but you can also just use sesame oil is, is very warming and very penetrating. So that is really great for folks who are very cold and dry. Um, coconut oil is very, is cooling. So that's great for folks who tend to be on the hotter side. And then olive oil is neutral. So that's, that's can kind of work for anybody. Uh, and the way to decide which oil is best for you is just test a little bit on your skin and see which one your skin drinks up the fastest. And, and that's probably the ideal oil for you. And so you just massage yourself from head to toe with the oil, kind of vigorously, like using long strokes on the long bones. But really, we're looking to get the blood circulating. We're looking to move lymph um, and then circular motions on the joints. Um, the hair and the feet are beautiful to do, especially if you have trouble sleeping at night, you can just do the head and feet before bed to help you relax and calm down. Um, but you do this whole self, self oil massage from head to toe before you take a shower and then you get in the shower and the warmth of the shower opens up your pores and allows that oil to penetrate more deeply. And you just use soap where you need to use soap. You don't try to soap off all the oil. The idea is you want to let that kind of linger on your skin. And then you get out of the shower and towel off and go about your day. Um, and that practice in and of itself is, is so nourishing and decadent. And it doesn't have to take a lot of time. I mean, you can take 20 minutes with it, but you can also just do it in five minutes. And um, yeah, and it brings a lot of, it, it's, major benefit, I think, in terms of hormone health is how much it soothes the nervous system. And so it gives us a little bit more buffer to that stress response that is so easily stimulated nowadays. Mm -hmm. Would you say when you do that, that self-massage, is there a time frame? Like, do you 
you do like wait before showering or is it just like you can massage once it's kind of in your skin then you shower right away is there any protocol yeah, it's, if you want? it's nice if you can let it linger on your skin like I'll usually do the oil massage first and then I'll brush my teeth I'll do my neti pot I'll do whatever else I have to do in the bathroom and then get in the shower so it has like maybe five or ten minutes to to linger on my skin but even if if you can't do that if you have to do do the massage and then get in the shower right away. That's still great. Um, and the idea is while you're doing the massage, see it as an act of love. Like you are anointing yourself. You are appreciating every aspect of your body and giving it gratitude. Even if you don't love it, even if it's like, oh, my thighs are so fat and I hate them or whatever. This part of me, I don't like it. During this practice, it's like, just love all of it and and bathe yourself in that love. And these kinds of subtle things, they, they maybe sound a little woo-woo, but it really does. It's this subtle stuff that's actually the most powerful. So don't don't skip out on that part. Um, and and it's also meant this is another way in which we build our self-awareness and our body awareness, which is a central part of Ayurveda, that the idea Western medicine, we look to the doctor to tell us what's wrong with us, and, and they're kind of responsible for our health. In Eastern medicine, it's more on the client, on the patient to be responsible for their health because you're with your body 24-7. Nobody else could know it like you. And so this practice is a way to also just build self-awareness around, oh, there's a little lump over there today or a little, it's sore here and I didn't feel that yesterday or, you know, this this feels a little more cracky than usual. Um, so that we're just kind of like touching in every day and, and feeling how are we actually really physically feeling when we give it attention. Would you do that practice? Obviously, like you said, with Ayurveda, it's not meant to put the pressure on you. Like I must do this every day. Is it something that obviously my assumption is if you just do it once a week, it's a great start. And you know, the more, the better. Is it something that potentially if you get it into your daily routine that you would do daily? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's recommended to do daily, but do the best you can, you know, like yeah. you said, two times a week, one time a week, three times a week. Um, the, the classical texts say three times a week is like the minimum you should do it. Particularly where I am in the Northern Hemisphere, we're coming into the fall season. And this is really a time of year to do this practice um, during the fall and the winter because it's getting so cold and dry. And our body, you, you know, you probably even notice like your lips are a little bit drier than usual. Your hands may be a little bit more dry than they were just a few months ago in the summer. So this is a great way to buffer that. And um, and then into the, the colder months. Also, fat is what keeps us warm. You know, the oil is fat, basically. And so we're putting this insulating layer on that's going to help our bodies to stay warm. Yeah. And then the, the final sort of um, practice that I find really supportive in balancing hormone health in these two, you know, opposing energies, the yin yang energy is a really simple breathing practice, alternate nostril breathing. Um, which you could Google it and find instructional videos if you haven't already done it. Uh, but doing that for five to 10 minutes in the morning, you know, before you start your day, the idea is to do these self-care things 
before you start your day so that you're you're setting this tone for yourself. You're tuning into your body. You're like putting your oxygen mask on first before you assist anybody else. And, um, and alternate nostril breathing balances the opposite forces in the body. And so it doesn't, you know, it's free. You just set a timer on your phone five minutes in the morning. Um, and it really offers a, a centering and grounding to, to start your day with. And I love that you mentioned that the, all these things are, if you do them in the morning, if you, if you allow yourself that the opportunity to, to wake early and do these as you, before you start your day, because you're taking care of yourself first. Cause I think we all, if we don't, we all fall in those traps of like, you know, the day goes by, then you're like, oh man, I didn't even get to yeah. Yeah. go for a run or whatever it is, you know, that we do to, to make ourselves feel whole and, and feel complete. And especially I, I have little ones. I think for a lot of us who have little ones, it, it, you know, for me at least, like it can be challenging to like wake up before everyone else knowing that it's going to be like, oh, as much sleep as I can get. Yet yeah. I know personally, and I'm sure this others may feel this as well, that when I do wake up before anyone else and do my own self-care, you just feel like I am queen right now. I'm just all as well in the world, you know, go about your day feeling more resourced. Mm -hmm. For sure. For sure. And you know, these, these can all be adapted. If it doesn't work for you to do the self oil massage in the morning, do it in the evening after your kids go to bed, you know, try to give yourself a half hour, 45 minutes of, of you time and, and do it then. Or same with the alternate nostril breathing. If it's totally impossible that you there's no way you can do it in the morning, do it in the evening, you know, ad adapt so that you can fit it in when you can. These are the ideal times, but yeah, make it work for you. Other tips I have, you know, diet and, and yeah, what you're exposing yourself to. Cause that's another big thing is women are, we put tons of chemicals on our body, you know, hair dye, makeup, like nail polish, all this stuff that what would you eat that? Because you are, you're eating it when you put it on your body. So that plays into hormone health as well. What kind of, you know, charcoal based cosmetics definitely want to stay away from them. Um, and then, yeah, just eating a, a diet that's appropriate for your body type. Another key piece kind of from Ayurveda. Yeah. And, um, how does one, let, let's back up a little bit. If, if people are familiar with Ayurveda and how does one figure out their body type? This is, I, I'd say probably a little more Ayurvedic 101, but does your body type shift throughout the, the seasons, throughout the, the year? Like, uh, just a little bit. Can you enlighten us there? Yeah. Well, I have, I actually created a body type quiz because I get asked this question a lot. So I have a quiz that I'll, I'll give you the link to, and that's helpful to take and kind of get a reading on it. But basically your body type doesn't change over your life. The, these, these, um, psychoenergetic forces that I mentioned, there's three of them, the three doshas, vata, pitta, and kapha, they're called. We all have all of them within us. They're, they're all necessary for life. And they're also all in our surroundings. Um, and, and we can see their influences. They do, they shift with the times, which one is more predominant potentially shifts with the time of life that you're in. Um, it shifts with the seasons. 
but but your actual body type stays the same your entire life. Um, there's just time, you know, during during the fall time, we're all more prone to dryness and um, and kind of like anxiety and hypermobility. We're we're on the go. We're running ragged. You know, all that wind and mobility that's happening in the world around us that that's also happening inside of us more as well. When we're um, old age is also another time of life where is a time of life where vata predominates that same um, psychoenergetic force that dominate predominates in the fall season. It also predominates in our elder years. And that's a time when we're drier, we're more brittle, we're a little more fragile, um, a little more on it. Like our nervous system is a little more on edge. Um, whereas, you know, when we're kids, when we're babies, we're these plump, juicy little balls of joy. That's a very kapha time of life where the body is building and nourishing and growing. Um, and, and the same is true for the springtime. That's a time of year where everything is growing and building and nourishing. There's a lot of water. There's a lot of moisture. All the snow is melted. Um, so, you know, those of us who are vata predominant in our body type, we the fall is going to be especially challenging for us and old age is going to be especially challenging for us. We're going to need to really um, employ all these remedies that Ayurveda has to keep us in balance. Um, but for someone who is like kapha predominant, for instance, the fall might feel great for them because they're finally like dried out a little bit. All the congestion and mucus that they usually tend toward is a little bit alleviated. Um, and so... So yeah, there, there's subtlety there, but your body type, and I, if, I don't want to get, I don't want to make it seem too confusing because I feel like each of these things I could probably give like a two and a half hour lecture on. I'm trying to summarize it in, in just a, a short little bit, but your body type stays the same. And, and some of the, the main ways that you can assess what your body type is is looking at the things that don't change about you, right? Like your complexion, you're, you're either fair skinned or you're dark skinned for your race, your hair, it's either straight or curly, it's either thick or thin. Um, it's, you know, your coloring, your eyes, those all give clues as to what your body type is. The kind of digestion that you have, it gives a really big clue as to what your body type is. The folks who have very erratic, irregular digestion, and tend toward like dry type constipation where it's like rabbit pellet stool. That is an indicative of vata energy. Vata is the energy of movement and change and um, kind of like weathers things away. And so dryness um, and the folks who have very fast digestion and are ravenously hungry, you know, have a really strong appetite, can't skip a meal without getting like seriously hangry um, and, you know, go to the bathroom, have a bowel movement every day, at least once. Um, that's more like pitta type energy, the more fiery, hot um, of those psychoenergetic forces. And then kapha is um, all about growth and nourishment and lubrication. And the folks who are kapha predominant are, are the folks who tend to have a bigger build just naturally. Their bodies are really good at holding on to and storing energy. So they can easily 
um, tend toward conditions of excess, um, excess weight, diabetes, high cholesterol, that kind of stuff. Um, things can easily build up in their body and, and their digestion tends to be a little bit sluggish. Um, so, you know, they, they eat and then they, you know, they, a lot of times they might feel tired after eating. Um, and it might take a day or two to have a bowel movement, but when they have the bowel movement, it's like a well-formed bowel movement. Um, so those are some of the, some of the factors that clue you in. And, and we all, like I said, have all three of those forces within us. And some of us have two of them that are predominant. Few, very few people have all three that are sort of equally predominant. And those folks usually enjoy really good health. So great. Thank you for summarizing that uh, for all of us, for our listeners. As an entry point into Ayurveda, where, where would someone want to begin? Where, like what, we have the quiz, we can all link to it in the show notes for, yeah. for someone to understand yeah. their body type. I also have a... Um, a free just guide to Ayurveda's healthy eating guidelines. And it's not about like what to eat specifically. It's about how to eat, when to time your meals, when to have your biggest meal, um, things to, to pay attention to while you're eating. And that I'll, I'll share that with you also. Th these can all be found on my website, indraholistic.com under the resources tab, but um, I'll give you the direct links. So I, I would say, look those over, think about what I talked about today and choose one thing, one thing that feels doable for you and you're excited about trying and start there. That's a great place to start. All of our journeys are going to look different in, in Ayurveda. There's no one size fits all solutions. Um, so start with what you can do right now and get the positive feedback from doing that thing. And then, then once that becomes a habit, try bringing in something else and making that a habit. Um, slow and steady wins, wins the race. Oh, I love it. That's so perfect. And where can the listeners, you, you mentioned in the show notes, I'll have the links to, to those resources. How else can our listeners like work with you uh, or even just find more about your offerings? Yeah. Well, my website, indraholistic.com, I-N-D-R-A holistic.com. Um, is a great way to connect with me. You can sign up for my newsletter. I, I send a weekly newsletter with lots of free Ayurveda tips. Um, I do one-on-one -on -one consultations for folks who really are ready to dive in and want to get like a personalized plan and a deep understanding of their body type. Um, that's, that's one way we can work together. I also lead um, guided cleanses in the spring and the fall. We just wrapped one up earlier this week, um, but it's, you know, it's all online, but you have me as a resource throughout the cleanse. And it's nine days of, um, yeah, taking, sort of going inward. And it's a, it's a very Ayurvedic approach um, to cleansing. You don't, you're not going to like starve yourself or um, be, be exhausted. You're well nourished with very simple, easy to digest food. And we bring in some Ayurvedic practices to help the body get rid of toxins and just give yourself your, your whole system kind of a reboot, a re a reset. Um, and Ayurveda recommends doing this at the, at this change from summer to fall and at the change from winter to spring, because we, our bodies are primed at those times 
to let go of toxins and to release. And so we like harness that, that power of nature, these, these cycles that are already happening. And we work with that to, to really give our body a good um, level up and boost our immunity and, and our digestion and all that good stuff. So that's another way we can work together is, is the, through the cleanse process. And then I also have an online course, Ayurveda Made Easy, that I run in the spring and the fall also. Um, and it may it may be become evergreen in the near future and, and be available whenever, but that is an eight-week course with a really in-depth look at Ayurveda. A lot of Ayurveda is very advanced and um, challenging to understand, but even more of Ayurveda is very practical and simple. This is this is a folk medicine, literally, right? So what I've done is distilled from my 20 plus years of studying and working with Ayurveda, I've distilled the most practical aspects of it into an online course so that you can get the full gamut of understanding and really be able to adopt Ayurveda's framework. You know, as my friend Seva said, this way of looking at the world you can you can leave the course with these Ayurvedic glasses on that then you can apply to any health issue that comes up um, for you, for your family, whatever it is, you've, you've got this new understanding. Thank you so much. And thank you so much, Kimberly, for being on the show and sharing all this wonderful, beautiful wisdom with all the listeners here. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. My pleasure. 